I love the description. Like it's so predatory. Every all the descriptions are like her, her teeth were white like a shark or something like that. It was really good. I like my women how I like my sharks with too many teeth. Do you guys remember street sharks? Welcome to Buckkeep Radio. We're coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 28, Mad Ship, chapters 11 through 15, and I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a new reader. I'm Eli, a new reader. I'm Elena, I'm a new reader. And I'm Ashley, a new reader. First up, corrections, omissions, and announcements. Okay, so we've got some listener mail. Uh, first up was Jack, who sent us some uh, theories, because Jack is a new reader, reading along with us, uh, about Brashen and Malta being alike, which I thought was like a super burn on Brashen. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, they're like near opposites or, like you know, at different stages in the same development. So that was cool. Um, we got a comment from a username mzoon. That I was supposed to bring up. Here it is. Um, that just says they liked us and that they're new. And also gave us uh, just the, uh, an answer to the question about the etymology of the word boob. <laughs> <laughs> Top side. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Um, which was got like that. a real answer instead of the fake answer that we got from, uh, who was that? Toby? Who said that? Yeah, Toby. <laughs> so... This user gave us the actual etymology, which is just that it doesn't have anything to do with with being called booby. Unfortunately. So. Yeah, it was just like convergent, like linguistical evolution. But then Toby sent us a picture that was just... <laughs> I need you to resend but... this because I wasn't getting messages for like four days. Oh, okay. I'll send it. It's So it's, it's a grid and it says top view B... Front view, two zeros, and the side view is another small case B, so that's it smells boob. Mm. It's, the, it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's it funny. Hieroglyphics made out of boobs, and it yeah. came together to spell boob. It was, I laughed. It's yeah. that, that lowbrow like, comedy that I will laugh at. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, this is definitely like our brand of humor. Um, so I just sent it again to you. Uh, and then we have a comment from tumblr that jenny spotted of more love for us so i like it please send us more love um and i do have one question uh jackie wants to know if the coronavirus was a hob character who would it be kyle or regal regal yeah i think regal what about yeah because what about costco regal has more influence oh yeah 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 maybe maybe costco does have more influence Right, but I mean, if the if the choice is Kyle or Regal, it has to be Regal because while yeah. Kyle can control his family and like fuck up their fortunes, it's really not affecting anybody else. Whereas mm-hmm. you know anybody in a political position like a Regal or a Cosgo is going to like be able to put the hurt on an entire people. Yeah. Fuck you, Regal. <laughs> and I bet you, got- I bet you, the coronavirus was really into into its hair being like curled perfectly 
Um, I am continuing to check the Reddit threads, though I don't wait into the discussion, just because, like, I am not representative of all of us all at once, so I just kind of read them. Uh, but shout out to everyone commenting there. We do see uh, what you're saying. Um, I read all of them. that. <laughs> Is a- Ashley's our resident Redditor? Yeah. Even though I've literally never used Reddit for anything else in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I did back in the day until everyone was too mean, and then I gave up. Yeah, I don't even... I can barely sign in. I don't even know how. I, like, I did spend a week... Sometimes I'm not. I spent a week posting uh, cosplay, and then it was it, they were very mean. <laughs> so I yeah, I posted some art back in the day in the Game of Thrones fandom, and, and that didn't go over very well, and so I gave up. But God, I am often so confused... I am often confused with uh, the Song of Ice and Fire... Uh, moderator, who I finally met at Con of Thrones last year, and that was fun. Oh, really? Cute. That's funny. Because <laughs> her her name is also Jen Snow on Reddit, and so. Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> I will I will say that Reddit was interesting in that I had zero people following me, and I was able to get like more interaction with the things I posted than I ever have on Instagram. Because um, the people just want to yell at you. <laughs> So it's, well, yeah, it's, it's like a different algorithm. kind of algorithm. Just, yeah. 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 It's just whatever's latest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever's latest and whatever people like. Right. Or like get really angry at. <laughs> well, that being said, the, the Reddit for Robin Hobb is actually great. And no one's really been mean at all that I can see. No. So no. Yeah. Everything's it's moderated nice. really well, or we're just a really great fandom. Probably, yeah, I mean, probably I like some both. Reddit is, nice is one of those places where it really depends which like subreddit you fall into. Um, the one experience I've had being part of a subreddit was fantastic, but um, you know I've had so many other people have really not great experiences. So it's like anywhere on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Hit or miss. Yeah. Scary. Be safe. But we did just see like uh, I did see a comment about. Um, Somebody commented that it was really weird that some of our new readers were reading things out of order. And I just want to reiterate that that's actually on purpose because so many of us read things out of order. And that is why you will see some of us pop up as new readers or rereaders, depending on which trilogy we're reading. Uh, so that's really solid purpose. It's not because we're. Yeah. When we went to the, the Robin Hobb panel, it was like almost everybody there had had read it out of order like everybody who was talking in the panel yeah i think that's kind of like part of being like a fantasy reader especially if you're coming to a a series that is you know established you know you kind of start in maybe the wrong place or whatever the right place is but especially one set up this way where it's like a, a series of linked like trilogies versus like a very clear kind of like wheel of time or game of thrones like this is exactly. book one and this is book two and that's book seven right and i think also how coming from the different perspectives will help people identify patterns that maybe we wouldn't have noticed otherwise yeah hmm. i think it's interesting all right with that uh, reminder that we do have a content warning on chapter 14 for threat of rape uh, and that threat of rape used as a tool of control and violence so you can skip chapter 14 if that is not your thing and we're going to say it again when that comes up uh, so who's got chapter 11 I love that Joey's in this reading 
I can see him reading it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he is! <laughs> Joey's in our thread, just reading our notes. He's in our notes doc. God, he just can't oh, live without us. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Okay, <laughs> continue. Who's got chapter 11? Oh, I do. <laughs> I guess I'll continue. Good okay, thing he's going first, everybody. <laughs> chapter 11, Judgment Day. So, in the Vestrit Manor, Althea has come and gone, and now mother, sister, and niece worry over how strange it is that she doesn't want to spend her first night at home away from college. Um, <laughs> so Althea has promised to be home by morning and these weirdos are going to stay up all night waiting for her to come back. Um, but what is a vibrant teenage girl to do, but stir up trouble when spending the night hanging out with boomers. So Malta makes it know that known that she can hardly stand how boring it is now that her mysterious billionaire suitor is gone. Being poor <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Tefria remarks that she really must have taken a fancy to rain because she's talking about so much about how much his money is going to be great. Um, <laughs> sigh. Oh, to be in love. <laughs> so Malta isn't sure yet. Um, and like any shrewd trader, she wants to see how much she can get. An interesting aside, Malta mentions that Rain thinks that she could be sensitive to the echoes of the people of the past who lived in the Rain Wilds like he is. Back in, back in Amber's <laughs> shop, Jack is still hitting on Althea, although she's seen through the disguise now. Well, not really hitting on her, but he's, she's, she's telling Althea that, uh, you know, I, I wonder if you have any brothers because, uh, Gay. You know. yeah. <laughs> I really like your eyes. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jack leaves and Amber and Althea get into some more discussion about Althea's travels over the past year. Althea's like, hey, why don't you tell me something about yourself since you're so interested in me? Uh, and she gives uh, Althea a cryptic answer and answer about her interests. Um, Amber is unable to leave being town but is interested in ending slavery and also in solving the mystery of the dragon and the serpent. And to this last bit, then she, then she stares at Althea and is like expecting her to react in some way to this information. Um, but she has little to offer other than her story about the, the rock dragon and then her serpents later on or the, that attack the ship. So Althea shares the tale of the dragon shaped rock formation that she saw while working on the Reaper. And we learn now that she climbed up on it and she found a wizard wood arrow sticking out of it. Amber is especially interested in this arrow and Althea tells her about the rest of the adventures, including the sea serpent attack and um, yeah, her time on the Reaper. But Amber is not nearly as interested in that as in the wizard wood arrow and the dragon. By the end of the story, they both get good and drunk, and Amber teases Althea about boys, boys, boys. <laughs> they then make their way to go see Paragon, and Amber's talk turns to serious business. Amber believes that Bingtown and the Rainwilds must ally themselves together, as well as ally with anyone who shares the same values as them. And that uh, she even gets into a little bit about how they are claiming things that they have no right to. 
Um, and she suspects that the Rainwild traders destroy as much as they recover from the ruins. Um, she then goes on to describe how Satrap Costco um, is like a how he became such a buffoon. And uh, she seems to know a lot about how he got there. Like it, it's like she's reading it out of a history book. Um, and so here's this here's kind of a, a cool quote from this section about Costco. So Amber says, it is bitter. The young man who was never restricted by the walls of discipline is now choking on the leashes of his addictions. His enemies will rob his folks, his folk and enslave his lands. And he will smile as the dream herbs smolder in his chambers. And I was thinking how similar that sounds to Regal. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Althea suddenly decides she should go and tell this information to her family as she's realizing how interconnected Amber's worries are with that of her, of her own family. And fucking finally, someone in this family makes the connection. It's not just the Tanairas who are seeing it now. It's everybody starting to... Other people are starting to make the connections. Um, back at Vestrit Ranch, Malta daydreams about manipulating <laughs> rain. It's too tiresome to, to describe, but TLDR, Malta got a bunch of gifts, including some fresh double A's for her dream box. <laughs> Suddenly, a man charges in, and it's Althea. Malta gets really sassy about Althea wearing cosplay in public. Althea calls Malta a stupid little baby, and Ronica says, shut up, fives, a ten is speaking. But who are we kidding? This is a room full of fives. It takes a full minute for the matriarch to gain control, and then everybody's just kind of passive-aggressive about it, and they sit there and listen to her. Ronica explains that they're dirt poor, but it's so boring that Malta's falling asleep, and we don't actually hear most of what Ronica says. Um... Ronica is telling Althea to be a good girl, but Althea speaks up to tell her plan to reclaim Vivacia for herself. So Malta's awake now, and she's remembering everything, and she's going to tell her dad. <laughs> oh, Malta. So, this Wizardwood Arrow. Yeah. Yeah. My interest is piqued. <laughs> is that how you kill a dragon? How you kill a dragon is with how to kill a dragon. But then like... we think that there's stuff living in the in the wood, or the wood is like <laughs> their dragon cradle that holds their memories until they're ready to recover it. Okay, okay, but why would it kill them? Oh, the dragon could kill a dragon. <laughs> mm. I don't know. It's a lot to take in, you guys. What gives them life can take it away. I don't know. Yeah. Ooh. Um, did you guys like Jack? Oh <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Did I? I so liked far, it. so good. <laughs> Love Jack. Uh, Finally. Jenny, your brothers food. got your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, can you do a portrait of Jack next, please? <laughs> I think I need more of Jack before I can accurately do a portrait. I we'll agree. Hopefully there's more. I love the description, like, it's so predatory. Every, all the descriptions are like, her, her teeth were white like a shark or something like that. It was really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, you know, 
I thought that was such a, is that like a phrase that that shark have very white teeth? Is that a thing? (laughs) Yeah, they brush every day. It it definitely struck me when I read that. I'm like, is that what we're saying? Teeth as white as a shark? I I was actually taking it more as like maybe she had pointed teeth. Because you know how some people's teeth are like a little more pointy than others? So maybe... It was like making her think of a shark smile because of the shape. Oh God! Her, like, yeah. So she has like multiple rows, rows of serrated teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Just pointy teeth. Carnivore man. I like my women how I like my sharks with too many teeth. <laughs> I've noticed a trend in Hob of describing people in terms of animals. And the mm. um, my favorite is describing someone you're attracted to in terms of a cat or like cat-like. So uh, Fitz did it almost every time he was talking about um, Kitty. You can't be up here. Get Star Starling. He he described her as being cat-like, and then um, when Vivacia and Althea were talking about Greg, they were like. He padded along tiger-like. You know, it's like it's like how she describes someone who's sexy. They've, they're kind of cat-like. I just noticed these things. Or is that like their animal affiliation? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's something I've noticed. I mean, I I, I personally Me, yeah. tend to assume it means they move like with this kind of slinky, really fluid grace, and but they don't look like a like there's no prissiness to it like it's still very whatever you're wanting it to be like masculine or feminine it's like one yeah. or the other um do you really guys remember street so sharks what do you remember street sharks yes every no. day <laughs> are those the ones with muscles Yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Now you know. So now I'm is. just thinking of a street shark with like a blonde, blonde ponytail, and I'm like, okay, that's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking up the streets of Bingtown. All right. Uh, what else happened? We learned about uh, Amber is super into political. Yeah. Political everything. Uh, organizing. <laughs> she knows everything. I like that, I though. You know, like, yeah, Am- Amber is an involved citizen. Like, mm-hmm. She wants to she work knows all about the love. of society. That's later. I had, like, a moment where I wondered if Amber was a uh, companion of the heart that Costco didn't retain yeah and i remembered cirilla like talking about how the other ones were all like old and haggly and she was the only hot one i was why he kept her i was thinking that and then i was thinking well like maybe she knew somebody who was a companion and then Mm -hmm. later there's the whole thing about if he impregnates people then the babies go to the orphanage and then but even though they're not supposed to know where they came from but like do they really know where they came from i don't know my brain was like jumping all over the place on that one Mm -hmm. does she have family or friends who were enslaved like what's what's her what's her stake in this yeah or maybe sorella just doesn't think amber's hot that's I mean, highly possible. Oh, she would be very wrong, though. I feel. 
<laughs> According to my portrait, yes. According to Jenny's portrait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Please pause and go to Jenny's Instagram <laughs> and check out Hot Amber. There's very, very Why hot Why can't Amber, Amber be hot? No, no. It's just like. It's so hot. It's just Why so hot. Why wouldn't she be hot? She's, <laughs> Why yeah. wouldn't she be hot? It's fine. <laughs> she's multi- yeah, she's this she's smart. mysterious, alluring artisan who's yeah. basically made out of various shades of honey. Like, what's not to like? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like honey. I've, I love watching Joey p- bounce around the document. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting um, getting to the Malta part. He loves Malta. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Joey is he's like the shade of this podcast, you know? He's always he's in, the in the walls. In he's the our walls. methy friend. Kitty, you cannot go on that table. Sorry. <laughs> she keeps trying to jump on the table that my mic is clamped to and it's going to make like crazy reverb sounds. She just knows that it's where she's not supposed to be. Speaking of, shall we move on to chapter 12? Things of where they're not supposed to be? Absolutely. Sure. Sure. Okay. So I have chapter 12. It's called Portrait of Vivacia. Brashen is hanging out with Finny and Sincure doing a deal like you do. And Brashen has fallen to the role of bruiser and gangster. But he's, he's supposedly the first mate of the Spring Eve. Uh, but really, he's just, he's a fixer guy. So during this particular deal with Sincure, we've met this guy before. Finney notices a painting by the famous painter Pappas. And Brashen recognizes it as a portrait of Vivacia that had once hung in her captain's quarters. And at this point, Brashen kind of has a close call in his drug-addled handling of not being too interested in this portrait. And also not being able to remember how much of his real life and fake lives that he's told to Captain Kinney. Finney, sorry. And uh, so he kind of, you know, uh, blunders through that. But he does manage to find out that Vivacia has been taken by a pirate named Captain Kennet. And Sincure waxes poetic about his patronage while uh, Captain Finney contradicts him. And he says, that man is insane. And he wants to be a king. And Sincure is like, well, yeah, but he does all these good things for all the poor people of the Pirate Isles. And Finney's like, I still don't think that we need a king. So Brashen is even more surprised to hear that the Vivacia had been used as a slaver before her capture. And so he's freaking out. And and uh, and Finney is interested in seeing more of Sincure's stock. So it looks like they might actually be going to Divi Town to check it out. And Brashen is, like, trying to play it really cool. <laughs> so meanwhile... Back on the Vivacia, Wintro is checking on dear old dad, and he has let himself go. We have one of those uh, tried and true, how bad could it possibly smell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's dirty, he's pathetic, he's whiny, he won't open the window, he's just, you know, Wintro doesn't want to stay in this room with him because he sucks and he smells, and he's just, like, not really being impressed to empathize with his father, and He's seeing only like the difference, the differences between the charisma of someone like Kennet and these like little petulant, childish, you know, attitudes of Kyle. So they continue to argue, and Kyle seems to think that Kennet will want to ransom them. But Windrow knows that Kennet has no intention of giving up the Vivacia, and that means that he has no uh, intention of giving up Windrow because he's going to need him for the ship. So it's really Kyle that serves no purpose now, and Windrow is feeling <laughs> that. Uh, that pressure because to like he wants his father to you know stay alive and be okay because it's his dad but that 
conviction seems to be wavering. <laughs> so after his <laughs> Kyle encounter, Wintrow has to deal with Saadar being a real dick. And like this ship needs to be way bigger because I'm really sick of this guy. So Saadar wants Kyle brought to justice because he's the captain of a slaver. And he also thinks that Wintrow should help them overthrow Kenneth since he's so weak right now. And Wintrow is just like sick of this shit. And so he gives him the old one, two. And he seems to be aided by the ship's memories of Saadar. Uh, murdering all these nice crew members from, you know, that were still enslaving people. So Saadar says that the ship has made him unnatural while he, like, lays on the floor. And Wintrow <laughs> runs away, but privately, privately he kind of agrees. So then we jump to Kennet, who's trying to walk around his cabin. And this is, like, a really long scene that I summarized very quickly. Uh, but he's filled with a lot of frustration and despair at his new situation. He's feeling really bonded to the ship because she's lending him strength and determination. And then Wintrow arrives to check on him. And he spends a lot of time admiring the way that Wintrow <laughs> looks and the clothing that he's wearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So while Wintrow, that was weird. Yeah. Then Wintrow does his little energy healing hover hands thing on Kenneth's stump. And they talk about Wintrow's feelings towards Kyle. He's the man that tattooed him and turned him into a slave, you know? Um, And there's some more Kenneth and Wintrow connecting conversations. But what's really weird is that Wintrow gives him some priestly advice about accepting that he's only got a stump now. And that's the quickest path to inner peace is just accepting the way things are. And this seems to work. And then Kenneth hugs Wintrow and says that he's been healed. And he's like weirdly (laughs) positive and intent on learning to be up and about. And then later Etta comes in and she's trying to like nurse him. And he rejects all of that. And he tells her to sew up his pant legs. And then they have a little who controls who thing that ends up being really gross. And he throws that to the bed where she belongs. And so then we're with Brashen Ugh. again, thank God, because we could not get out of <laughs> Kenneth's room fast enough. And Brashen, <laughs> Brashen and the Spring Eve have pulled into Divi Town. And obviously the Vivacia is docked there. And Brashen is like, well, fuck, she's definitely here. And he sees kind of a slight figure out on the deck. And he's kind of really scared that it's Althea, but he can't really be sure because he's not close enough. And uh, Captain Finney is, again, concerned that Brashen is really interested in Vivacia, but Brashen puts him off and he's like, nah, we, you know, I don't know, it's just a live ship, it's cool. And then we get to hear a tale of Igrot the Bold being the only other pirate to capture a live ship, and Brashen is like, I've never even heard the story, that is bullshit. And Finney is like, no, it's true, it's totally true. So anyways, the plan is now to head to Bangtown to unload this new good shit that they're about to buy in Divi Town from Sincure. And Brashen is like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Because he needs to get to the Vestris to tell them how to help Althea. And like as he's thinking about like all the shit that needs to happen, he notices that the figure on the Vivacia is peeing off the side of it like a boy. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end the chapter <laughs> so we know now that that was Wintrow we already knew that was Wintrow yeah. Brashen, Brashen now knows Wintrow. Yeah. Yeah. well I mean it could have but really been missed... anyone but sorry <laughs> you, miss, you missed the irony though which is where Brashen um, suggests why don't we uh, go, go, go ahead and go through with that uh, private deal in Bingtown specifically so he could guarantee a way to get to the Vestrits and possibly rescue Althea if that was her. And so it's sort of like, oh shit, I just risked my neck for nothing. Uh, well, he still not needs to, he still needs to tell people he's, that, you know, he knows. But the family still needs and, to know. It's, he's yeah. doing, he's doing good work, but and he was not motivated by Althea's... the family. He was motivated by <laughs> Althea and her magical um, cave of womanly wonders. Well, right. Well, that's what I meant by yeah, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. But he... <laughs> 
you know, he still doesn't know that Althea is not on board. He just knows that the person he thought was Althea uh, isn't her. And we right. know that it's mm. Wintro because she looks, they look alike. True. Touche. Um, I just think it's really funny that suddenly we moved really quickly. Like, you know, we suddenly were in Divi Town. The ships are moving around. But yes, it is weird that we're moving quickly suddenly after like months and months of like ships are sailing and they're not moving. And Yeah, now everybody's hustling and getting to their cities and every like takes them no time at all to bounce around. Like, that's fine. It's not about time. the journey anymore, is it, motherfuckers? Right. Just the destination. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought it was funny when um, Sincure is showing all of the goods and they start kind of like ragging on Kenneth and he's like, he's as good as married to my daughter. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, no. Sure. <laughs> no. Your underage daughter. Yeah, that's, that's totally- like, he definitely not. Sorcor will get in on that, but Kenneth was not happy. <laughs> Speaking of underage, Kenneth has never asked someone what they thought so much as he grills Wintro. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? It so was so awkward. Concerned. It was really, really awkward. Yeah. It. At was, one point, he kisses him on the forehead. It was Yeah, yeah like Galadriel. Like, no. how much of this is Vivacia and how much of this is Kenneth and both okay are but but <laughs> has Vivacia ever acted like this towards Wintro it it's seems a, different it seems different to me it does but I feel like it's a weird mix where it's like she's making clearing his head of like all his crazy and like that crazy of like let's kill everybody crazy and like making him feel good thoughts about Wintero, and then there's, like, all this weird creepiness on top of it. Right, but, like, for Vivacia, she's been, like, she's been thoroughly wooed by Kenneth, and mm-hmm. it's Wintero that's the holdout, so, like, she would she would consider this to be, like, a better alignment that, you know, Kenneth is somehow convincing Wintero to think the way that they both think. Right. Yeah, and it, it's it's this really weird, uncomfortable ambiguity between, like, paternal and sexual. Like, is it that Kenneth is seeing so much of, like, his own younger self in Wintro and, like, the all the sort of protectiveness and, you know, I, I want to fix things for you that he can't do for himself or that he thinks he can't do for himself. Like he's projecting that onto Wintro, like, well, I can do it for you. I can give you a chance I never had, son. Or is it like his earlier experiences, you know, like gave him some proclivities and he has not faced them? Like, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I think it's significant that the chapter, well, that his section ends with him being very domineering towards Edda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It feels like before this chapter it may have been paternal and now it's just like, no. Yeah. yeah, It's definitely uncomfortable. And this is not the first time that he's remarked that, oh, it's a shame that they put a tattoo on such a pretty face. Like that was, mm-hmm. the, that was the first, that was his first thought when he saw Wintro. So we're all on the same page then that we feel that this is kind of gross, groomy behavior. It's predatory. Yep. Yes. yes, it's gross. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
And if it's not, it just is more evidence of like zero parenting skills, like zero appropriate parenting skills existing in this entire culture. I just think like at this point, if you are a Kenneth fan, this is a disappointment for you. This is an upsetting, (laughs) this is an upsetting turn of events. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for like a, a stereotyped pirate character, but this is some, this is straying from the past. This is and, concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Red flag. Red flag for sure. Okay. <laughs> so then we have a season change to summer. So we know what time of the year it is again. It's summer. And that means that we have an interlude with the serpents. You guys. Joy. I. I did this chapter because I it just it spoke to me. Um, you could tell because like I'm not even as jokey in my commentary about it. <laughs> so I had feelings with this chapter. The serpents are still gross and they're still writhing about, but damn if they aren't just like down and out. And it kind of makes me have a lot more sympathy for them. Um, we just kind of see them really in dire straits. And they have grown into the tangle of the misfit kids. They've just kind of been collecting stray serpents as they follow the provider. And these um, new additions are at like varying levels of being brain dead. So some of them are kind of polite serpents and then other ones are just very savage. And um, I lost my spot. Everybody's hungry. And there just doesn't seem to be enough food to go around. Malkin is not well. He's like super pale in color. He doesn't really have any juice left. And despite all this, he's still letting some of the mannerless serpents have the tasty people snacks that are being tossed overboard from the provider. And it just shows that like Malkin is really a class act. And we learn more about that a little later in the chapter. So one night they all go to bed. It's nighttime. They're all twined up for sleepies. And a green serpent separates himself from the pack and he goes up to the surface and he starts singing. And so most people would be really annoyed by that guy pulling a 3 a.m. karaoke karaoke sesh. But Malkin and his group are kind of hype about it and they go up to the top and they're listening to him. And it turns out that the serpent is singing the song of simplicity and this guy nails it. Uh, but then Malkin totally loses his mind and attacks the green serpent. So they tumble their way down and it's this big dramatic thing. And Cecilia and Shriver are like, oh my God, this old bastard is going to kill himself. He, he's too weak. Why is he doing this? But in the end, Malkin ends up giving the green serpent a kind of like a forced love bear hug that causes him to go limp into submission. <laughs> and Malkin says to his team that the serpent spoke to him and he asked why he was being attacked by Malkin. So he assumes that he actually does still kind of have a brain. So Malkin goes, Malkin goes like kind of like Jedi master on him and kind of like melds into his brain. And the green serpent is asked like, who are you? Tell me who you are. And uh, Malkin says, you were once a minstrel, you were a minstrel once and an excellent one. Once you had a memory that could hold thousands of melodies and the words of those songs, reach for it. Tell me your name, just your name. And by saw that old bastard, he did it. And he gets the serpent to recall his own name. And Mr. Green is actually Talur. And he gets very excited that he can remember his name. And he just keeps kind of like shouting it over and over. So the triumvirate then realizes that all the other zombie serpents have been watching this, this kind of interaction between them. And they're kind of closing in and they totally think that they're going to have to rumble again. But then 
this, you know, it's like the captain of <laughs> captain scene in Dead Poet Society where everybody <laughs> starts like raising their hand and speaking. So another serpent comes up and he says that he is Kalaro and he turns to his old friend and says that his friend is Silic and that they were once part of Zekri's Tangle. And Silic isn't coming to when Kalaro yells at him to remember. And it's really sad because he's just like yelling at him over and over and he's getting really angry and he just wants his friend to remember who he was. And then Silic comes to as well. And he remembers that they were with Zekri's, I'm assuming that's how we say his name, Zekri's, Zekri's, one day, um, but that Zekri's forgot himself and he abandoned the entire tangle and then that's when they all kind of forgot what was happening. And he says, I'm Silic, Silic the Friendless, Silic of No Tangle, which is like the saddest thing ever. I felt, oh my God. And then that classy motherfucker Malkin says, Nah, player, you're Silic of Malkin's Tangle. Boom. So he straight up invites <laughs> these guys to be a part of his tangle. And he's excited because they're going to, like, once again have a proper tangle. Because it's just been the three of them kind of lurching around with all these zombies around them. Um, and then he also kind of declares... <laughs> That they're changing strategy. They're like, screw the provider as their food source. They're now going to hunt for food like normal damn serpents. And then they will go and hunt for she who remembers after they've properly been feeding themselves. And um, he ends it with saying, we have been given a final chance. We must not squander it. And I, I really liked this chapter, or this interlude. Silic Skywalker. I know. <laughs> I just love that he's like, I'm just going to say this to you over and over again, and you're going to remember your name. Like, hypnotizing him into remembering who he was. I'm just but glad they're not, toxins. they're not, like, totally yeah. lost. They can, they can recover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um. Just like them to stop, like, releasing their toxins and talking about <laughs> toxins. It's yeah, it's disgusting. weird the way, like, some people's toxins can really affect some of the serpents and other ones like they're not like a high they're not like the black belt serpent so their toxins don't affect the black belts so only everybody who's like lower ranking like i'm sure it makes sense you know biologically to serpents but it's gross to read about i, I thought it was really interesting that the the one his, like they specifically said his toxins were mostly like to stun fish right or whatever exactly so like clearly they have um, some sort of either conscious or subconscious control over like what use their toxin is going to. And so Malkin seems to be like that, um, m you know, mind opening like LSD toxin as opposed to, you know, like the paralyzing neurotoxin where you just hit the school of fish with it and then like, you know, swoop them up like coins in yeah. a video game or something. I attributed that to like some level of skill that they have acquired to be able to use their toxins in certain ways. I don't know. I feel like it's related to awareness. Well, yeah. When, they they're, know... when they're less aware, they're just using it for that hunting purpose. Yeah, they have to know like what they're doing. It can't, they can't just be like reacting. Right. I am concerned that there are now more of the serpents for us to deal with as readers. <laughs> you know we what? Can't more. you just be happy for these guys? <laughs> no. No. 
Oh. Team Serpent is growing. Team Serpent is... <laughs> I love Tuller's name. I think that's an amazing You're name. You're so yesterday. Kalaro. <laughs> Silic. When Silic says he didn't have any friends... How can you not? I'm sorry. How can you be a minstrel if you're just a big snake? You know what? What are you going to strum up with? What are you Your strumming? <laughs> no. He's, he's singing. Maybe he waves his tail to make sound waves in the water, and that's what he sings to. Oh, maybe, he's really like a, maybe he's like maybe a rattlesnake. Like... He's got a little maraca. <laughs> or maybe his neck rough like vibrates he's just really fucking good at acapella Ew. okay i know acapella isn't anybody's favorite but he might just be really good at it some people can pull it off yeah the serpent glee club i wonder what it would have sounded like if you were on the surface of the water or if it was just like nonsense yeah, it probably mm. sounded like gurgling to anybody. Just <laughs> screaming in the distance. <laughs> is it like I mean, what when, is perfect pitch to when a like the whales are talking to each other? It just <laughs> sounds really sad and it's like, you know, the opening to Free Willy. <laughs> oh, Maybe this is what the blip is, the underwater noise that the no blip. one can explain. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the serpents. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. I'm not like I still think they're totally gross, and <laughs> it just like from an aesthetics kind of looks point of view. But I'm not as mad at them as I was before, and I am very. I like the idea that they're not going to be chomping on humans for Din Din. You know, I like that they're going to be going yeah. after fish now and being, you know. Proper story. Yeah, there's no fish I care about, so they can totally eat that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's a there's a couple different layers to that. I mean, first, like, yeah, they're kind of making the conscious choice, which we as human readers perceive as a moral choice that we applaud to, like, not eat, you know, the flesh of human dead. But, like, I also wondered if there was, um, you know, maybe if there were implications in what eating, like, dead, like, already dead um flesh might do and also like the just the sort of energetic exchange that happens with slavery where it's like it's so unnatural and it's so kind of against any sort of um ecological balance whereas like in nature we might not like it you know to watch the lion take the the gazelle but we also understand that like it's natural it's a balance it has to happen um so I was, I was kind of wondering, like, what um, what effect that, like, the consumption of that sort of, like, weird, unnatural, you know, energy might have been having on the serpents as well. Hmm. I think that makes sense. I mean, considering the fact that they can manipulate other people's minds, like, emotion and all that kind of thing, like, there has to be some back and forth between that. It can't be all one directional. So, yeah, it's like if they're eating all these bodies of horribly mistreated humans and they're dead and not live like that and i mean it's like yeah it it almost it, it caters to turning your brain off right you, i mean you don't have to do anything you just yeah you're just like a machine and watch <sighs> you just watch netflix and eat your cheetos and oh my god that's what i did yesterday <laughs> honest to god i ate baked cheetos I... out of a bag and watched nailed it <laughs> remember who you are, Ashley. Remember. They were baked were at least, okay? Once. They were baked. 
You were something once. You weren't this. You have- <laughs> I wasn't this. I used to be able to what go outside is your of my name? house. <laughs> Tell me <laughs> your name. What is your tangle? What, what is, is your name? Oh my god. I don't have a tangle. Oh. We're all going to emerge from our houses in a few months and we're just going to be like... We're just going to wrap our bodies be- around each other. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're- <laughs> What was like I? this Tangle cosplay is sounding better and what better if, if like we actually get to a con this I year, mean, you if guys. We're lucky. <laughs> if we're lucky. <laughs> I'll be All lost. we want to do is just like hug each other the entire weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it gives us an excuse. Out for hours and hours. Studies show yeah. that humans only receive like they you know how they say that hugs are beneficial to you emotionally and they say that to have that benefit from a hug, you need to embrace for at least six seconds. And, like, nobody really hugs that long. I hug certain ones of my friends, like my friend Alice, when I see her. I We always do, like, really, really long hugs. So when you get out of this, everybody, and you're back into the world, and you see your friends and your loved ones, hug them for at least six seconds, because we're all going to need as much of it as we can get. I thought it was 20 to hit that oxytocin release. No, I read a book long, for work. 20 seconds. At least six. I would fall asleep. Yeah. You're hugging gonna... wrong if you're falling asleep after 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to follow that tweets advice in French kiss everyone for 40 minutes. Yes. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, uh, should we move on to chapter 14? We're coming up on an hour or so. Oops. I guess. All right. So, uh, content warning again. <laughs> chapter fourteen has a content warning. Uh, I'm gonna put. I'll put the because uh, I don't know because we're talking right now, but I will put the timestamp for chapter fourteen discussion in the description. So, if you want to check that out, go do to do that. Consider pausing, skipping ahead, having some you time. Instead of listening to my voice, you can listen to it any time other than this. I got lightheaded reading this and I've read it before. And with my last shot of bourbon, (laughs) uh, we go. So, Cirilla and the Satrap and the whole damn entourage are on the fanciest, most idiotically cumbersome ship in all Jamalia on their way to (laughs) Bingtown. Cyril is seasick because the vessel is lurching like a green line train and they're smoking up a storm in the safe traps room and everything sucks because Cyril is not only out of her element because she is li- but she is literally trapped with the safe trap for every minute of every day of this voyage. Why? Oh, because the ship is outfitted with Chalcedon sailors who are, I imagine are just menacingly walking back and forth and doing that game glitch thing where they keep walk cycling into walls. And- <laughs> Tea posing up and down the hallways. <laughs> yes. But despite all this, Cirilla has really, really been looking forward to Bingtown like it's the first time she's felt excited since the last Satrap invited her over for life. <laughs> but the Satrap is drugging it up like Rachel's neighbors with his companion <laughs> Keki. And apparently Keki is hitting the stuff hard because she's claiming the worst seasickness ever as an excuse. And Cirilla wonders if Keki is pregnant, which isn't great because traditionally children had between the satrap and a companion are brought over to the priesthood, which I guess would make that a fu- that future event a Keki's delivery service. <laughs> <laughs> Costco and the other companions and nobles, who I assume are each named Bed, Bath, and Beyond, respectively, (laughs) 
have either been in a stupor of excess or locked away with seasickness this whole time, and sometimes they all get together for a great dinner, where Cirilla is belittled and mocked when she tries to voice her beliefs about current politics, you know, the ones she is there to mitigate, and she watches Chalcedon and noble women vie for the men's attention, which she thinks is most unchill. It's like a nightmare carnival voyage. <laughs> Costco is grouchy, sick of everyone, and Cirilla is marveling that the satrap is so full of hubris that he doesn't even comprehend the danger he has put himself in. And I guess you could say he is making himself a target. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this joke keeps going. I love it. Thank you. It's the, it's your laughter joke. is the only reason I can do this. So Cirilla is sitting at a table full of dirty dishes. Who's been there? Me. Waiting for him to wake up so he can dismiss her. I made a list of idiot things Costco has done. One. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long list and I apologize. He brought nobles and promised them Bingtown land charters, which is going to go over great. Two, he surrounded their ship with a Chalcedon mercenary escort to raid pirate settlements and take them as slaves. Three, he was himself. Four, <laughs> when Cyrilla kept speaking up about how wrong he is, he sent her back to her chamber by two walking cat collars to petrify her and, quote, teach her a lesson. Cyrilla reluctantly agrees that she learned her lesson, but there's just extra teeth all piled up inside her and they're all grinding. And I'm sure some of you can relate. <laughs> Due to all of these factors, Cirilla resolves to escape in Bingtown the first moment she can. God bless. Shocking. One time, I made eye contact with a stranger while I was horking down a burrito like that owl horked down that rat. <laughs> and that's um, <laughs> how I imagine Cirilla felt when Costco opens his eyes and she just maintains eye contact with him because she doesn't know what else to do. He demands she go to him, and she defends herself in her position again, but he tells her to shut up and threatens to, quote, give her to the sailors. She's petrified, but she fucking calls his bluff and says, quote, do it, motherfucker. She does not say that, <laughs> but she does say do it, but it wasn't a bluff, and he stops before opening the door, and he goes, are you sure? And she's frozen, and she literally can't say anything. And the last thing this ass hair does before opening the door and turning her over to men who see women as less than property is to tell her, remember you chose this, Ugh. and I'm going to go crush some glass. That's so upsetting. She didn't stand a chance, though. Like, even if she had... Bow, cow down to him and you know when he says like are you sure like she would have lost with him or she would lose if she went out there but it's like I definitely think she has a harder road outside of those doors than with him do you? I don't know I, I mean, don't there's no I choice feel like... here I feel like she didn't have a choice but there was far more brutality in her future by him giving her over to the Chasidians than what he personally could do just himself. That's fair. Um, but it's also like a more purely physical brutality. There is no psychological brutality to it. Whereas with him, like it's an, a never ending game. Yeah. I'm wondering like, why do they have but there a whole is psychological? Sorry, go ahead. 
No, I'm just, I, I would argue that there is psychological brutality to it as well. One, uh, I noticed that they have a, a system for uh, satrap bastards. So this whole idea that the heart companions are an intellectual companion seems to be kind of bullshit. That's Cirilla. Mm-hmm. Like historically like, bullshit. Like historic, yeah, because they have a whole system for it to like deal with mm -hmm. the Byblos. So, is that really is that really what was happening, or is it just that you yourself were not boning the old satrap because you were too <laughs> young or whatever, and therefore you decided that it was like an intellectual? It was not a harem at all, or it wasn't supposed to be, even though clearly that's what it is. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess it also depends on. Like, like, isn't there kind of a, a famous line in Dune about the Bene Gesserit, you know, sort of priest, priestesses, like the history remembers the mistresses, not the wives, because like they're the intellectual companions or like the real, like the quote, real companions, not the political convenience. So like maybe there was an aspect of that to it um, with at least some of the other satraps. I mean, it's possible. It just seems like they don't, I don't know where these women come from. You know, maybe we'll learn more about that later. Um, but it doesn't seem like her family wasn't in any way a kind of uh, political maneuvering because like she doesn't have anything to fall back on. Like she's not writing to a powerful uncle, like I'm being mistreated, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, but she knows the hope there are they are on their way to this this is exactly how I pictured like Regal's endless trip you know, trip into the Pharaoh lands where, you know, yeah. he'd go on his little camping trips where it was just like oh, it's just like a party. Yeah, for sure. It's just him being gross. And he's he's just like I'm letting all of these people who have no loyalty to me just take me very far away from home, and I'm going to dangle money in front of their face that I can't actually influence or promise or guarantee. They can just take it from me though. That's for sure. The the level of like dumb dumbness on him for this whole thing though is crazy, and it's I really like I know she really wanted to go to Bingtown and she really wants to escape and like all of that, but like. This whole plan from the get-go was a bad, bad, bad idea. And it's just how comically bad it is was laid out for us in this chapter. Absolutely. Well, yeah, the fact that, like, he, he almost all of his advisors were like, yeah, go, great idea. Get Here, like, can we buy you a ticket? Can we, can we hurry yeah, you Yeah, like, what can we like, do to get, get you out, out of here, here faster? So we can, like... Yeah, he's just given them like grab? he's given them like uh, the permission to invade Bingtown, which is what they want anyway. Like, he's like, mm -hmm. okay, sure. Well, he's also given his noble like the the whatever political structure is underneath him permission to like completely like take over the country in his absence. There is and implement whatever the fuck they yeah. want because if he even makes it back from like this trip with the Chalced with the Chalceds, what the fuck is he actually going to do? Like, I'm wondering what power how does he have at home if. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, like, getting kidnapped. Well, there's no reason <laughs> yeah. for them not to kidnapped. just slit his throat on this fucking boat. Like, there's no, like, there is, like, anybody could take him out and assassinate him, and everybody would pretty much get what they wanted. 
Mm-hmm. She should just assassinate him. Well, she was, she was, she was saying that she thought it was probably pretty likely that they were going to hold him hostage and chalced and I, I don't know, make Jamalia like a like a subset of Chalced, like it's like ruling by proxy kind of yeah. thing. Suburb yeah. of Chalced. But that that would leave Buck you know, that would leave the six duchies in a bad spot because they don't like the Chalcedians, right? Like we, we, we talked about that in the last trilogy where they talk about that border and how they harbor slaves because they don't believe in slavery. So they they're not they are not allied with the Chalcedians. And yet here's this huge empire forming just south of their borders that's seemingly being controlled by the Chalcedians. Like that's gonna make them sit up. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Let's start this shit. You want those little rowboats of uh, six duchies yeah, man. fighters <laughs> to just come south? Like, yeah, let's do this. Those barbarians, they don't even have windows. Yeah, but they know how to fight. And Bingtown, I don't know if they know how to fight. They know how to fucking fight, man. <laughs> Are there enough problem. of them? That's my concern. It's just like the volume of people in Bingtown. To take up our Yeah, think about it. I mean, the big, we have three populations in Big Town, right? And I think that's what Amber was talking about earlier. Like, we have the old traders. Right. And there's not as many of them. We have the, the three ship traders, which seems to be, like, settlers that came later on that have a lot of wealth, but not a lot of land. And then we have all the slaves. And I and think the that traders. there's a uh, another party that they that is being hinted at that aligns with them though they probably don't see it yet um at least i'm what i'm seeing is that they align with the pirates um oh yeah Yeah. well i mean the pirates don't want the chelsidians be hanging out because they would be completely cut out as middlemen for all the trading and yeah i mean they don't want their way of life to be altered in any way Okay, so let's move and, on to chapter 15. Sorry, I don't want to cut us off, but we're running out of time. So, in a less pressing chapter, um, which is also very long, so I'll read this quickly. So, chapter 15 is called Tidings. Um, Malta and Althea are doing some homeschool math together, but Althea is just as sick of this quarantine as the rest of us, and it's like, I've had it, I'm going out. Um <laughs> uh, Veronica tries to give her some tasks around the grounds to do instead of venturing out further into a dangerous world, but Althea is, needs to go and see some friends and says she'll be back for dinner. Malta is not amused. She asks if Althea is going to see the beadmaker and explains all of the Bingtown gossip to her aunt about her and Amber and how people think they're sleeping together. Emma basically accuses her of being a lesbian because she's not married yet. Or odd, Yay. as she calls it. Oh <laughs> um, my god. Yeah. <laughs> Veronica reminds Malta that Greg is super interested, so it's fine. Uh, Malta or er, Althea is done and escapes, and Malta complains about the double standard once again, whining about how she's treated and how everything will be fine once Kyle gets home. But at least she still has Serwin's affections to toy with after she made sure he was super jealous of Rain, so she'll keep herself entertained. So we move off to Althea and Greg, who are having a coffee date in town, and Althea uses the time wisely to bitch about how annoying Malta is. And how she understands why her mother <laughs> wants to marry her off to Rain to get rid of her. Um, and eventually, she's even tired of her complaining, so they switch subjects to politics. And Althea assures Greg that he'll have her support. 
Um, he also tells her how great a job Amber has done with Ophelia's hands. She's even getting a fancy new bracelet out of the scraps. Oh, and Amber and his mother are besties now, so so much so that his mother is now uh, even more anti-slavery to the point she's adopting slave girls in the street to get them away from their owners. Althea is only half listening to this, though, because she's really just staring at him, waiting to feel something, because she's still just not that into him. <laughs> he's just not thrashing. Damn it. Speaking of fashion, he's in Bingtown now, and he's ringing the oh, bell for residence. Um, after noting the neglect around the grounds, as everybody seems to, Malta answers, and Brashen does not recognize her um, at first, but she soon, soon alerts him to that, uh, just who she is, and he's shocked, because he's like, oh my god, you're my sister's age, what's happening? Um, but he has news about the Vivacia, and he's just heard that Althea's back, so of course he's got to stay. Uh, Malta supposedly, but probably not, sends a runner to, fr- to fetch her mother and grandmother and then disappears to make some tea while Brashen stands there awkwardly in the hallway and dreams about Althea and hopes that she's not the type to hold a grudge over a harmless joke. So we're going back to Althea, and she's visiting with Amber now, and she's having a bit of, Id- a bit of an identity crisis. She feels false and out of place, and what Malta said earlier about her being odd has really gotten under her skin. Uh, she doesn't want to give up her whole life and dreams for a guy. She'd rather he do that for her. So, aging Brashen. Um, Althea wants to know why people can't love other, can't love each other and still remain free. And so Amber tells her, one can love that way, but the price on that kind of love might be the highest of all. To love another person like that, you have to admit that his life is as important as yours. Harder still, you have to admit to yourself that perhaps he, he has needs that you cannot fill and that you have tasks that will take you far away from him. It costs loneliness and longing and longing and doubt. And to me, it sounds like she's speaking from experience, so that's interesting. Um, she also advises her not to just sleep with Greg and walk away, and that some kind of commitment is always made when you sleep with somebody. And of course, Althea thinks of Brashen. So back to Brashen. This chapter is, like, bouncing all over the place. Um, Brashen is now having a little coffee date of his own with Malta, except he doesn't quite realize it, and it takes him a little while before he does, and he's suitably horrified to realize that Malta has been flirting with him the whole time, she's trying to make him jealous over Althea, she tells him all about Greg, and how they're, like, you know, basically married already. Um, Veronica and Kefri eventually come back just as Brashen is trying to get the hell out of there. And with absolutely zero bedside manner, he basically ruins their lives in a single sentence, telling them that the Vivacia has been captured by Kenneth, <laughs> who typically kills the entire crew, which means Kyle and Winchero were probably dead. Uh, Althea then storms in, dragging an eavesdropping Malta, and hears the news. Malta has ha- is having a meltdown, but Althea gathers everyone up and tells them it's time to get on the same damn page. They need to get their ship back, and Kyle and Winchero she supposes too. Also, a wild Selden finally appears. Uh, everybody's concerned. And Brashen just wants to get his, his next Sindin fix, and the boy could really do with a meeting. Oh, man, Brashen. Oh, God, he's a mess. He's, like, he really it's intervention is. time. One, that... for his drug abuse, and two, for his clothing. <laughs> <laughs> I want some pirate clothes. Do they clothes. have Sindin's anon- anonymous, like, in, the, in Big Town? He was Jones in, and then he found that little nubbin in his pocket. It's no good. Yeah. I cracked, cracked up when they brought out the sun in this chapter. Because I'm like, it's like she was writing the chapter out. And she's like, oh, fuck, there's another kid in this family. Yeah. Like, That's exactly how really it quickly. felt. Yeah. 
That's why I asked last week. I was like, where is Seth? Yeah. Her editor was I, like, I don't so. know. I just like, I love Brashin. I love that Brashin is just like completely a mess. Yeah. And he feels like, he feels like the lead character in like a rom-com right now because he's, <laughs> he's having that breakdown, like that public breakdown where everyone loses respect for them. And then they have to like get over that embarrassment and like become a better person. That kind of like redemption art time. Mm. Yeah, it's he's got to get over so. his his drug addiction first. <laughs> yeah, it, we it's just need a mon- it. it's part of the redemption art. A peppy montage of that, though. That's the level <laughs> that I can handle. I love that he's like kind of like nervous to see Althea, but like excited to see Althea, and he's like playing it over in his head. But yo, that hussy fucking Malta needs to chill her role. <laughs> It was so funny. The finger in the the finger in the (laughs) mouth. What was that? Oh my god! I died inside when I read that. (laughs) It's like a little thick. It's like the only things on his mind are Althea and like drugs, and it's like it, it, it. It comes into his head so slowly that he's being hit on by like a twelve year old and he's just like he's like, What the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's great. I gotta get some drugs right now. What the fuck it is works happening? Out well. It's not it's not really And her she's fault. like mashing her cleavage in front of him, like, look at my tiny little teenage boobies. Oh my god, it's awful. <laughs> oh Malta. <laughs> Well, you know, I like when she starts being fucking horrified by it because yeah. he was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, like, for sure. What are you doing? Like, I gotta get. You should be. I gotta get yourself. the fuck out of here. He fully he's, panicked. He's sobered he's up real full fast. Full panic mode. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, she's a tantruming child, just like kicking his shoes yeah. and hitting him. It's also good for us as a reader, though, because it shows that Brashin is like. He's not going to fall for that shit. Right. So he's like, he's a safe, he's safe yeah. for her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he only has Althea on the brain. He's a very one-track mind, other than drugs. Right. Which is, that's a classic romance trope, though. So I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, so I had, I had feelings about the whole, like, Althea Greg situation and how that is developing. Um, because I, I felt like... I felt so proud of Althea for actually like thinking things through and and being willing to say like actually I could love Greg like there's enough there but we want different lives and like that's the hardest fucking thing to to learn um and to understand is that love is not enough like you have to want the same life or it's not going to work and it will fucking tear you apart and I was just like I like that I like that she is not like necessarily running from like her interest in him, but is actually also like aware that he, he's not just like, you know, a ship passing in the night. Like he has, like, she knows the context of him. He has a fucking family. He's got a ship he's committed to. He's got a life that he's committed to, like all this stuff he comes with. And you can't Mm -hmm. just disconnect like the person from that. And I was like, I, it's kind of sad, but like, I was really proud of her that she was like, Hmm. It's not going to work with him, or at least it's there's. I don't feel enough for him now to be willing to give up everything that I would have to, or to ask him to give up everything that he would have to. Um, it's also helpful that she has like a chorus, like Amber, to like really lay it out for her too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Well, everybody, everybody needs that friend. Like, yeah. they, everyone needs that bestie. <laughs> Malta could use that friend. Oh God, Malta yeah. would. Dello not, isn't Malta she's wouldn't not receiving. She's yeah, she's not receiving right now. She won't be receiving for a little while. <laughs> Malta has enough friends. But yeah, as much as I'm Team Greg, I'm also like Go Althea for like realizing that you're not Team Greg. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Amber kind of sticking up for Greg in that scenario too of saying like you can't do that, like that can't mistreat yeah. him that way. That would be wrong. Yeah, you can't just like test drive him and then like, yeah, <laughs> leave him. Yeah, that would suck. I also particularly liked just a little minor detail when Althea grabbed Malta. By the back of her neck, like she was a little cat, and just like <laughs> <laughs> I just like that they hate each other so. Oh much. yeah, they don't like each other at all. It's fantastic. It's fun. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was cute at the. Uh, well, I guess it's not cute, but it's. I thought it was funny at the very end when Selden was like, "You look like a pirate," and he's like, "I'm not a pirate. <laughs> I'm just down on my luck." As he's like, "Ooh, I found some drugs in my pocket." <laughs> <laughs> I like that Selden was just like our who is what did you say our Malta and Daddy not bad now or something yeah <laughs> and like it's such a childlike thing to say and then his mother hugs him and he's like I'm not a baby I'm like yeah I know you're like a feral child living in the walls now <laughs> Yeah. Go, go make friends with Yeah, kids. and it comes out that Malta is the one who's supposed to be schooling him. Like, this kid isn't learning shit. God. <laughs> He's letting him put his finger in his mouth and, like, looks it up right? to get what he wants. Just, like, pat those lips. Work for it. Better keep him away from Kenneth. Shit. Right? Oh, my God. I was God. so, like, you, you know how Malta is just in it for what she can get out of things. But like when she learned that her dad had been, is probably dead. He's not dead, but she thinks he's dead. And the first thing she says is like, no, you're, that's just what you want. He's coming home and he's going to fix everything. And he's going to kick Althea out and we're going to have, we're going to be rich again. <laughs> it's like, it's like just pure fantasy. It's, but it's, I don't know. It just sucked. I didn't like hearing Well, that. I mean, she is still very much a child, even though she's mm-hmm. trying it's not just like, to be. Yeah, these, these are just all the things I want that I was hoping that. for. Yeah. I also like the part where Ronica assumed that Brashen had come on behalf of a, the pirate that had come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what's the ransom? He's he, like, uh, so I'm here? He's like, oh, right, I look like a, he's like, I look like a criminal. I'm not one <laughs> But he, he keeps thinking in his head gold, in, bitch. in between like thinking about drugs, he's also thinking like, yeah, they can't see my sin and sore. Yeah, they, I mean, they, <laughs> I know, I love I, it. I look like a pirate, but you know, I know how to sew pretty well, so it's not it. that bad. Or covered most yeah. of it. Most <laughs> like, way to go. <laughs> he's not at his sexiest right now, okay? No. So, but Malta's Malta still imagining so. what Sirwin would look like with a mustache. So at the end of this chapter, we saw kind of the women saying of the house saying, okay, like we need to unite. We need to like set aside all this petty bullshit and we need to address the problem at hand. And Ronica like gives a little hug to Malta or whatever. And she's like, "Ew, grandma, but how long, how long do we think that's going to last? 
uh, one chapter. Until yeah. the chapter <laughs> opens and says they're fighting. And yeah, <laughs> until Malta like figures out how to fuck this up. Like, well, because like I mean, part I don't know. I, like part of the problem is that Malta doesn't feel like part of the team. And right. none of the other women around her seem to recognize that half of her shitty behavior is because she feels, like, cut out and, like, not included and not wanted. Um, and that's, I mean, that's very, it's made very clear when she's, like, watching Ronica hug her two daughters and all. And, you know, like, Malta doesn't have an awareness that, like, they're kind of a team, that they grew up together. And, like, it was, you know, Ronica home with Kefria and Althea, at least for a little while, you know, while dad was away before um, Althea was old enough to go. So, like, they they have to have a bond. Like, that's mm-hmm. a mother and her two daughters. But all Malta can see is, like, they're excluding me. But, like, none of, the, none of them seem to have an awareness that she feels that. And, like, that's part of the problem. And that's why she's going to continue to be a problem because she has severely unmet needs that they just keep being oblivious to. And, like, that's not... Like, clearly she she tries to get her needs met in very inappropriate ways. Mm-hmm. But that's not – that behavior is not going to stop until she starts getting her fucking needs met because, like, she has psychological and emotional needs. And that's how people work. Yeah. I don't think really they have sad. time for family therapy. <laughs> but I really would work. like a chapter, like, just from Selden's POV. <laughs> <laughs> like living with all these crazy people no one's looking after me I've learned to cook my own meals in the backyard <laughs> I'm eating Don't rats me hungry. <laughs> well, it is exciting though to see so many of our main characters together but I think that means that yes. we hit a new a new part of the story hopefully yeah. But will Brashen and Althea hook up again in the next five chapters? That's what I need. Girl, will they blame yeah. it on the Sindin? <laughs> blame it on the. Well, I mean, I don't know if the next two chapters, but let's keep that country song. Five, You'll always be yeah. a fire I can't put out. Like that's, that's been more than made clear. Uh, do they feel inevitable to to you? To me, I don't know that it, that it feels inevitable that they're going to end up together, but it feels inevitable that they can't stay away from each other until one of them dies. <laughs> wow, this could okay. be that kind of book. Oh, okay. Well, it is Robin Hobb. We can't rule anything out. That's true. Exactly. So, this be my crew character introductions and exits. Well, we have again seen uh, seen young Selden. Uh, does that count as an introduction? <laughs> Those might be the first words he's spoken. So, yeah. Yes. Um, the um, new serpents. I was going to say new serpents. Serpent roll call. They got a big serpent. Big yeah, they got, yeah, they they got, got a big they got boy. Kalaro. <laughs> Their tangle gets even weirder and more varied. He's just like, like he's like twice as big face. as everyone else. He's like the Hagrid of the yeah. group. It's he's awkward. just really yeah. behind yeah. everybody else. When they need somebody to like pick up something heavy, he's like two bucks. Yeah, like he's, carry everything for them. He can knock over the ships. Just... <laughs> oh, mm. is that what they're hunting? Mm. Guess we'll see. X marks the spot. Where the heck are we? Well, basically, everyone's in Bingtown or Divi Town. Or heading to one of those places, maybe if you're. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where the tangle's going. <laughs> They're lost. 
what a tangle, what are the serpents doing, remembering and hunting, like, regularly, not just eating. Making people. friends. They're making friends. <laughs> Yelling at each other, squeezing each other. Singing. Yeah. Forced love. Apparently they have some sort of, like, economic structure where they each have jobs. And we have that one, <laughs> one job appears to be a minstrel. Minstrels and prophets. That's what we've got right minstrels now. Minstrels and prophets. And everybody else is a hunter. Yeah. Tiller yeah. should go be friends with Starling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the ships talk. What do we learn about live ships in this section? Uh, they can have bracelets made out of their... Yeah, like, I was going to say, they can get their hands yeah. But that they can be fixed, and that Amber can do it. That is important. Mm-hmm. And that she's super respectful of live ships. Yeah. Which makes everyone happy. Amber continues to be charismatic. This is something yeah, I meant yeah. to mention last episode but i forgot um i i noticed that um when they were doing that sort of like dream flashback where there was a mind meld between wintro and kennet that uh kennet had gotten like a seven star tattoo on his hip and then had it burned off uh and that's the same symbol that paragon has on his chest uh huh Mm-hmm. It's interesting uh-huh. that you remembered that given what I read today. Hmm. Do tell. What's Kenneth's last name? Pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Pirate Son. That or that or Blackbeard, one or the other. Uh, is this the patriarchy? Misogyny, capitalism, slavery, and Absolutely. fashions from Jamalia. Jesus well, fucking fuck. Christ. Yeah, that's, that's grossly the patriarchy. The ship the big ship patriarchy is heading for Bingtown. Yep. Will they even have a dock big enough for it? Who knows? What if it what if it doesn't go anywhere and they just sink? What if they don't let him pass the tax dock? (laughs) Give us half of everything. (laughs) I am the fucking satrap, but we don't care. We still need your fifty percent taxes, bitch. (laughs) That's the rule. Bam. Can Cirilla be part of the half that goes like, you know, away from him and then she just leaves? Well, he can talk to a manager if he wants to, but it's not going to change anything. <laughs> okay, so uh, reminder for our next reading section, chapters 16 through 20. No content warnings for that section. Hooray! Because this one was Hooray. not good. rest. We have a little bit of rest. Um, and uh, before we go to spoiler section, you can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail.com. And we get those. If they're not spoilery, I will send them around to everyone. Uh, so if you have spoilers, it's helpful if you stick them in a separate paragraph. Uh, you can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter, Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. And that's it. Yeah. To find me, type in AlyssaMaynard.com into your web zone. Ooh. <laughs> I'm Jenny. You can find me at Faceless Ray on Instagram where you can see Hot Amber and coming soon, 
Wintra. Oh my god. It's so good. The Wintra so good. So good. Definitely need a print. I definitely need a print of the characters, but Wintros is gonna be like a little (laughs) bit bigger than everybody else's. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Eli and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay on Instagram and also Twitter. I'm Elena. You can find me at Moth Elena. And I'm Ashley, and you can find me on the things at Ladybird Parker, but also when I get my Wintro print made, I'm going to put it in a picture frame that plays music, and then it's just going to play all emo bands. So it'll be like My yeah. Chemical Romance and Jimmy Eat World and, you know, just all the real, the good ones from the 2000s. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Do you have to, like, Perfection. open it or just, like, tap No, it'll have a button, so you can just hit the button. And then okay. it'll Do I need to give, like, tattooed Wintro extra eyeliner or something? Yeah. Oh, I'm 100% <laughs> pro eyeliner every day of my life. But only on men. I don't care about it on women. I will add some eyeliner okay. then. Yeah. You're doing saws work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay tuned for spoiler section. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 I had something I really wanted to talk about, but for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. I just want to talk about that Amber quote that I put in. Uh, That's what it was. It was Amber and, uh, yeah, Amber talking about the fool. Or, (laughs) sorry, Amber talking about about Fitz. Damn, I'm broken. It's okay, we all are. (laughs) But it's just, like, it's so sad to me, though. Like, that's, that's where Amber is emotionally, where she's just, like, I just, sometimes you have to be separated and you can't fulfill their needs and it's sad and... It's lonely, and that's just the way it is. Sad, 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 sad. And sometimes you have to carve their face into a piece of wizard wood. It's just coping, to have it tells you. <laughs> Maybe she should give Brashen some wood. I don't like that sentence. So, can carve out the I don't like it either. I don't like it either. <laughs> Let's change these words up Rated a little bit. G. <laughs> I just think Sorry. that, like, if... I, I can't remember if Amber has met Brashen yet. I don't think so. Okay. I just feel like Brashen. She's just is, slept in his hammock. But like, but Brashen is like that genre of man where she's going to be like, "Oh, I'll see." You, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go. You could have had Greg, and you chose Brashen. Well, yeah, because he's pathetic and nothing, he doesn't have his life together, and he's super hot, and he doesn't know it. And that's that's the type. That's it. Great A man. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's yeah. <laughs> it's the same guy. <laughs> Just lost. Oh. Needs people to tell him what to do. Can't function on his own. I had w- about he, one second. Needs. I was going to say that Fitz was not a drug addict, but then I caught my. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> But what Brashen needs clearly is an animal friend who will tell him to stop being a self pitying. What's it going to be? An eel? And go get his female.
That's not nice inside. Oh, it's a seagull. So I don't feel like Althea would take too kindly to a wolf being involved. No, Althea is his animal (laughs) companion. He needs a parrot because he's a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) He is a pirate after all. He needs a captain. He He needs a captain. Oh. If he had a parrot, he'd spend his entire time telling the parrot he's not a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) There's no parrot. You're a pirate. (laughs) There's no parrot representation in these books. (laughs) It's a problem. It's a problem for sure. It is weird that there are no animals other than the serpents. Right, which really don't count. Capable of cognitive they, thought. They just don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and they have, like... fish, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there are no minstrel wolves. You know what I mean? Like, there's... As far a... as you're aware. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, and going, like... I'm. Yeah, this is not me. I'm not a pirate. It's really unfortunate I had to kill that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't, it, it's it's really sad, like, he's like, it's like he's unaware of the fact that he is the person who is steering his life. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks it's just happening to him. I think all of these characters are letting things happen to them without acknowledging, yeah, without acknowledging that, that, that they are their own problem. With the exception <laughs> of Amber the Fool. I mean, let's be honest. Well, who who of us? Thing, who of us directs Amber's our own life away. so well? Nope. This is not Amber's purpose. Okay. This is. I that still feel like painful. I still feel like Amber has more. I mean, like she recognizes more of what she's doing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or yeah. That the fool is doing than most of the characters. What do you mean by this is an Amber's purpose? I just feel like you know the the prophet belongs with their catalyst, and like I understand that they like the further actions need these dragons and like all this other shit that's going to happen. So like that is what that's what necessitates. Uh, you know, the prophet going on this this particular adventure. But the way that she is framing it for herself in this moment is more like, oh, that's my past. This is my new purpose. She hasn't, like, connected them. Mm. So, like, it fits where the wind and Amber's sails fits would have come with Amber to Bingtown. Or, or she would just be like, I don't know. She could take comfort in the fact that, like, one day she's going to go back. I don't know. But I don't feel like that this Amber <laughs> is emotionally prepared for, like, anything like that. Like, she thinks, like, that's that's over. I did that mission. I'm but, on the I mean, mission now. Put put yourself in the shoes of... Uh, so you did, you did it. You saved the world, right? But right. But there's a chance you, you could break it, it. Why right. would you... Yeah, you don't, you, you don't want to... That's... I mean, that's... The last thing you want to do is break what you fixed. She's martyred herself just a little bit, though. Just a little. Just a tad. And I mean, I love it, and it's great, and it's like, it fills me with, like, the kind of, like, pure sadness that is, like, a hallmark of the Hob brand, where it's just, like, 
it's just like hurts so good. But I, I don't think that like, like she could write a letter. She could like, you know what I mean? Like she doesn't have to be sad. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know Fitz would go travel across the world to get to the fool. Oh, yeah. It would happen immediately. But immediately? Maybe. Night Eyes doesn't like boats. <laughs> he would he would intend to. I don't know if he would get there. Yeah, I know. A lot of things would derail him along the way that are out of his control. Has he already seen the rain wilds at this point? How long did that take? Yeah, he like turned around and left. He's like, it sucks here. <laughs> yeah, so may- so maybe so maybe he won't come. <laughs> it hurts my paws. Don't like it. Turns my paws. I'm not saying I'm just I know we're not we're gonna get to play house later and it's great, but like <laughs> you don't have to be like sad and lonely in your little bead making hut and being like, Once I had a love. It was grand. He's sad and lonely in his little in his little hut. I know. Cabin in sad. Forge. <laughs> writing <laughs> his memoirs and burning them. Right. <laughs> Is anybody yeah, happy in the like how many books are there? 15, 16? Oh, absolutely not. Birch is anybody is happy. happy for more than like a chapter? Mm, you like Green Wild, I think. Okay. <laughs> I believe It's you. like two chapters. <laughs> Those two old chapters. Yeah. I mean, happy. I bet Small Ferret was happy when he killed, you know, the old blood hater. <laughs> and then got to live with an old assassin. For the rest of his days. Oh. Sure there's happiness there. Fulfillment at least. Yeah. Well I think that that's how Amber. I think Amber feels like maybe she's on like a secondary quest. Or. I don't know. I thought this was the main event. Bringing dragons back. You know. Is it though? (laughs) <laughs> what's the main event no I don't think so Rachel hates dragons <laughs> I hate them yeah I do it I hate them uh, I don't think that that's the main I mean I think it's like one of the things that happens but that is it's certainly not the main event for me as a reader oh no I mean like what the fool feels the main event is well I think the, I think I mean, is it though, or is the main event bringing down the, these bad prophets who are attempting both. to steer the the world in a in a bad bad way for their own profit and gain? Right. I mean, that's what the that's profit, what the dragons profit. do. Right. They they create different outcomes. Yeah, I I agree with that because then well, they, I mean, ca- this you is can't, only like yeah. If you think of the first three trilogies as, like, you know, a sort of set for the fool, then the third one is completing the task. Right, and that task is... Destroying, is kind of, you know, taking care of the the plot from the first trilogy and finally finishing it. Right, exactly, yeah. You've, you've pointed the world in the right direction and now you kill everybody else who can change it. And now you have to burn them down. Yeah. yeah, and the dragons are a tool in doing that. But I don't know if... I, I mean, I, I guess you need the big guns sometimes, but at what cost? 
Maybe all the people will go extinct now. <laughs> we can only hope. It's fine. No. They're in a wolf. I think B has to have adventures. Hopefully. I hope B is having quarantine adventures right now. Watch Robin Hobb put out a book before George Martin ever. Oh, of course you will. 100%. 100%. Okay. Uh, I have nothing else to say. You guys have any other topics? Nope. I'm good. No, it's the first entire spoiler section we've actually been on for. I know. This is the first episode I can listen to all the way through in a long time. (laughs) How can you stand to listen? I just that I don't know. Vain. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, then. All right. Talk to you guys next week. Okay. Yep. Bye. 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 Bye.